to our Chinese friends this morning. It might be a bit of a lag, but can you hear through the translation all right? I'm getting a, a few nods. Is it going all right? Fantastic. Okay. Uh, what, a, what a thing to do on a long weekend. Uh, the best thing to do on a long weekend, to come and worship God, to hear his voice. Oh, thank you. What service around here, hey? Let me, let me pray for us as we, as we look at God's word this morning. Our Father, we pray that as we hear of the resurrection of Jesus, that you would give us eyes to see, hearts to understand. And we pray that we would see him for who he is. Amen. Now, I'm hearing a lot of ringing. Everyone else, I'm happy to switch over handheld if that's going to help. We're all good. Hey, how good's that? Up on the screen is a picture I want to show you of a story. Has anyone seen, anyone know this story? The tale of the three brothers from Harry Potter. There's three brothers who go on a journey, dangerous journey, and they come to a river and no one can cross it. No one's crossed it before. It's too dangerous. And, and they, by their magic, they, they cross the river. And on the other side, death greets them and congratulates them for their, for their feet, for crossing the river. And he gives them a gift each for crossing. And he asks them what, what they would like. The first brother says, I, I want to conquer death. Nice thing to ask death, isn't it? And so death gives him a powerful wand so that any, any of his enemies he can beat. But during the night, one night, one of his enemies kills him without the wand. And so death takes the first brother. The second brother, his fiancée has just died and so he asks death for a way to see her. So death gives him the resurrection stone. And his fiancée comes to him, but it's like she's a ghost. She's not really the same. And he can't bear it. It's not real life. And he can't deal with it anymore. The third brother, smart brother, asks for a way to hide from death. And so death gives him an invisibility cloak. And as the story goes, the brother lives, that third brother lives a long life. And at the end of his life, he hands over the cloak and greets death as a friend. I wonder what you think of that story. I think J.K. Rowling is very clever in the way she's painted different views of death, how we cope with death, how we live with it. Death will come for all of us. The question is, what will we do with that knowledge that one day we will die? Here's what Rowling's suggesting, I think. Like the first brother, we might view death as something far off. It's not going to happen to me. It's like we're invincible until one day it will. Or like the second brother, maybe we view death as this kind of, you know, when you go to a funeral and someone says that the loved one who's just died is, is watching over you. They're still here in our hearts. There's this sense of life, but it's not the same because death has taken a life. There is something profoundly wrong. And like the second brother, I think we know that that is not the same thing 
as life. Or like the third brother, maybe we try and come to terms with death as just a part of life. That we've had a good run at it, lived a good life, and then that's it. But here's the thing. I find the ending of that story quite disturbing. Death is not a friend to greet. Death is an awful thing, isn't it? We all know this. When someone dies, that is not a friendship moment with death. Death is the great, the last enemy, the Bible says. I want to suggest to you this morning there is a far better hope and a far better way to live in the face of death. That though death will come, Jesus promises an extraordinary claim this morning. He says, and it's up on the screen, I am the resurrection and the life. It's an astonishing claim that there is life after death and that Jesus himself is the only one who can offer it. These are enormous things, aren't they, this morning? As we go through this account that John writes for us of Jesus' life, he, he writes for us an account of Jesus interacting with two sisters, of a brother, Lazarus, who's just died. And as we look at it, I want us to notice three things in particular, and they, they're your whole outline. <laughs> Jesus' tears, Jesus' claim, and Jesus' offer. First, Jesus' tears. Have a look at verse 17. Now, actually, before we do a bit of context, Lazarus and his Lazarus has died, and he's a dear friend of Jesus. And Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, are here, and they're grieving. He's been dead four days. Pick it up at verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been dead in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Did you hear the pain in her voice? She knows Jesus is a great healer. Jesus knew Lazarus was sick. And she's saying, Lord, if only you had been here, he would still be alive. You'd hear the, the question in her voice. It's the same words Mary says later in the passage. See, Martha goes and tells Mary that Jesus is here. She gets up and comes to him, verse 32. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. See, both sisters know that Jesus has great power to heal. He has done it time and time again. But their brother has died. Surely that is the end. There's no hope for him now. Is Jesus too late? Have a look at verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who'd come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. 
But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of, this blind, of the blind man have kept this man from dying? We're going to focus in on what is the shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35. Have a look down there. It says simply, Jesus wept. That's a profound verse. But I want to ask the question, why? And at a surface level, that might feel a bit stupid. (laughs) He's coming to the tomb of his friend and he weeps. Of course he weeps. His friend Lazarus has just died. But I wonder if, as you've read, that might not feel quite right. In five minutes, Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. (laughs) And yet he weeps. If that's why, surely he'd say to them, it's okay, everybody calm down, let's go to the tomb, I'll raise Lazarus and we'll have a cup of tea. Don't you think? I don't think that's the only reason he's weeping. Why does Jesus weep here? This is critical. I take it he comes face to face with death, the reality of death in our world. See, the language John uses is very strong. He's deeply moved. It's like he's churned up inside. He's angry. He's not calm here. These are hot tears. And he comes to the tomb and he weeps because of death, because death is in our world. And death is a great enemy. It is not a friend. See, instinctively, we know that there is something wrong with death, don't we? Have you ever thought about that? That we all get this sense that when someone dies, there is something awful that has happened. But why is that? See, everybody dies. It's one of the constants of our world, and yet we feel like it's wrong. The Bible says there is a reason why it feels wrong. And it's because of sin. See, back in the Garden of Eden, God made Adam and Eve to live in a beautiful paradise with him forever. And he said to them, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but trust me, because if you eat of that tree, you will die. And what they did is they ate the fruit. They they rejected God's way, just like we have, and they ate the fruit and death came into the world because of sin. Because death is the consequence of rejecting God. That is why it's in our world. You know, a a few years ago, I went into the shops, as you do, and I, I I was looking in the canned food aisle. I think I must have been buying my wife canned tuna or something, but I looked next to it and there was canned chicken. Have you guys seen this? an extraordinary product. I'm a bit of a germaphobe. I'm a bit of a food poisoning phobia kind of guy. I saw kind of lukewarm canned chicken and that's very disturbing to me. So I picked it up and it was, it was called Heinz Sweet Corn Mayo Chicken. Now that doesn't sound very appetizing but I looked at it and it didn't have a use by date. And that disturbed me a fair bit. And so I bought it and I actually emailed, this is true, I actually emailed Heinz that, that night. And I said this, I said, Dear Heinz, I have just purchased a can of your chicken sweet corn mayo. 
and I'm concerned that it doesn't have a use-by date or directions on how long it will keep once opened. Genuinely very concerned. For instance, and this was not really what I was going to do, I'm planning on opening it tonight and leaving the can overnight on the bench to eat tomorrow morning. <laughs> Please advise on whether you have any concerns. Yours sincerely, Daniel. And I gave my contact number, and they called me in customer care urgent division. <laughs> Uh, and, and what they said is, uh, I had a lovely chat with a lady named Rachel on the phone, and, and she said that it doesn't have a use-by date because it doesn't go off. <laughs> because it's sealed. Now, here's the thing. I, it's not really about canned chicken. That's the thing with imperishable foods, isn't it? That they're, they're sealed. But what happens when you open that can of chicken? It's not going to last very long. That is what happened in the garden. The world that God had made was not made for death. And yet because of sin, Adam and Eve broke the seal on our world. And death came. And sin. And evil. And suffering. And pain. That is the world we live in. And that is why Jesus weeps. Because this was not the way it was meant to be. Left on our own, we face death and God's judgment. That is what the Bible says, that all of us face death because we've ignored him and judgment to come. But here's the thing, there is a glorious claim of the Lord Jesus in our passage. Have a look at Jesus' claim, our second point, verse 21. Come back to our conversation with Martha. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, though, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know. He will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. It's a good answer. Martha's an Orthodox Jew. She believes in the resurrection to come, that God had promised in the Old Testament there would be a day when the dead would be raised. But Jesus continues, and this is an extraordinary verse, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who believes, lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? See what Jesus has done? There is a resurrection to come where the dead will be raised, and he says, I am the one who will do it. I am the one who has come and who has the power to raise the dead, to give eternal life. That is an astonishing claim, isn't it? Jesus says, I am the one who can raise the dead. There is a life to come, he says, and it's found in him. Verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now, that is a very insightful reflection from Martha. What she's done is she's drawn together two truths, that Jesus is the Christ, God's King, and that the day of resurrection to come will be ushered in by him. This is an astonishing truth, isn't it? That there is a day to come when the Lord Jesus, and he is the Lord of heaven and earth, will return. Notice what Jesus is saying, though. Who has the power to raise the dead? It's God. 
Only God has the power to raise the dead and give them life. And yet Jesus here says, I am. In fact, I am the great I am. I am the Son of God. This is who Jesus is. He is the Lord and he is the judge. These are weighty truths, aren't they? And he gives us a picture of what he means by by raising Lazarus from the dead in our passage. Have a look at verse 38. Verse 38, Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odour. For he's been dead four days. He's very dead. Decomposition has started to set in. This is not going to be pleasant, she says. Jesus said to her, verse 40, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. Jesus lifted up his eyes. He prays to his Father. Verse 43. He cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. His hands and his feet bound with linen strips. He's still in his death clothes. And yet he walks alive. And Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. That is an astonishing miracle, isn't it? Did you hear what we just read? Jesus says to a dead man, come out. And he rises from the dead and walks out in full view of them all. Amazing miracle. That is power over the dead, isn't it? To look at a man who'd been dead four days and say, get up. But that's not the biggest miracle in the Gospels. And it's certainly not the biggest resurrection. See, this miracle points to a far greater truth. And I wonder, I wonder whether there's another reason why Jesus is so agitated in this passage when he comes to the tomb. See, in about a week after this moment, he would be in his own tomb. The Romans would crucify him and he would die, would be buried in a tomb very much like Lazarus's. I wonder if as he's coming face to face with Lazarus's death, that he's contemplating his own death very soon. See, the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead is actually part of what causes the authorities to arrest and kill Jesus. Have a look at verse 46. We didn't read it before. But some of them, some of those who'd seen Lazarus rise from the dead, went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Skip down to verse 53. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus knows this. This has been his plan to go to his own death. Isn't it a remarkable irony that in the raising of a man from the dead, Jesus is condemning himself to death? In fact, that is the gospel, isn't it? That is the heart of the good news of Jesus, that in his death is where we find life. Because Jesus would go to the cross and he did die. And that great problem of sin and death is what he went to the cross to deal with. Because on the cross, Jesus took our sin on himself. 
And as he did that, he died the death that we deserved. Because we've been cast out. We've rejected God. We deserve death and judgment, and yet Jesus takes it in our place. Isn't it an extraordinary thing? That is how we can have life, in his death. The God of the Bible is not removed from our suffering. He weeps. He came down, lived as a man, and the Son of God died to save you if you trust in him. But notice that the resurrection of Lazarus also points to the great resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Lazarus was raised from the dead, and I, I take it maybe 20 years he got, and then there was another tomb. He died. Lazarus is not with us today. But the Lord Jesus, on that Easter Sunday morning, rose from the dead never to die again resurrected. Lazarus is just a pale shadow of that. He is the Lord and we know because he defeated death himself. And he will do it for you if you trust in him on the last day. And as Martha points to, there will come a day when Jesus returns. That day is coming. He is at the right hand of the Father right now and he is coming back. And the Bible says he comes back to judge the living and the dead. And on that day, all of us will give an account of the lives we've lived. Now, I wonder, if you were to die tonight and you stood before God, imagine that day happened tonight. And he asked you, why should I let you into my kingdom? What would you say? What would you say? Is there a way to know? Well, there is. Have a look at Jesus' offer. Verse 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He says to Martha, do you believe this? Now, notice the promise, the offer that Jesus has there. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's a promise from Jesus. What does it mean? When the Bible talks about believing in Jesus, what, what, what it means is two things. To turn from our sin, which the Bible uses the word repentance, to say sorry for our sin and to turn to Jesus as our Lord, trusting that he died in our place and he rose again. It's simple. That is what the Bible means by believing in Jesus. But that is a profound promise, isn't it? That, and I know many of you here this morning have done that. That whoever believes in me, Jesus says, will not perish in John 3.16 or here. Though he die, yet shall he live. Which means the fundamental question is, who is Lord of your life? Is it you or is it Jesus? I want you to think with me, though, for a moment of that promise, that promise of resurrection life. 
I want you to imagine if you trust in Jesus that first breath of resurrection. When you're with the Lord Jesus in the new creation, perfect. Won't that be incredible? Do you long for that day? You know, my wife and I love to escape Sydney regularly. As we do, we often, we often drive up the M1 to the central coast. And one of the rituals I have is as we go to the central coast, as we round the corner towards my parents' place where we often stay, I wind down the window and take a breath and there's no smog or less smog. There's no busyness, noise. It's a beautiful thing to get out of Sydney, isn't it? It's an amazing feeling. But what will that first breath in eternity be like? No more death. No more sin. The stench, we've lived in it too long. We've gotten so used to it. No more suffering. No more pain. That's what Revelation 21 said. All things will be new. That moment will be extraordinary. We will be with our Lord. That day is coming. I want to suggest if we knew what that was like, we wouldn't cope with a minute here, would we? (laughs) Be painful. That is the life that is coming. But I want to suggest if you're here this morning and you're still wrestling with these things, I want to come back to that question that I asked just a bit earlier. If you were to die tonight and you stood before God and he asked you, why should I let you into my kingdom? What? I wonder, what did you think? What would you say? I want to suggest from our passage, the answer is not because I'm a good person. Jesus says that won't cut it. We've we've rejected God. We need forgiveness. The only answer on that day and our only hope is because Jesus, because of what Jesus has done. Can I suggest, if, if you're here this morning and... I want to ask you another question. What's stopping you from accepting Jesus' offer? Right now, this morning. The offer of eternal life if you trust in him. wonder if that's where you are this morning. If you think there's nothing stopping me, I'd love to do that. Can I talk you through a prayer I'm about to pray? It's a simple prayer. It's up on the screen. It's based around three words. And they're this. Sorry, Thank you, please. Sorry, God, that I've ignored you, that I've sinned, lived life my way. Please forgive me. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die for me. Please help me to live with you as my king. That's what I'm going to pray in a moment. And if you're here this morning, there's nothing stopping you. I'd love you to take that offer. Jesus holds it out for you right now. If you're here and you believe these things, will you pray with me in your your mind as well? Let me pray. Our Father, we are sorry for the things that we have done, that we've ignored you, we've lived life our own way. We've rejected you as king. Please forgive us. Thank you that you sent Jesus to die in our place, 
so that we might have forgiveness and a relationship with you, eternal life. Please help me from this day on to live with you as my king. Amen. Well, we're going to pray a song now. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. A beautiful song to reflect on some of the things we've heard this morning.